Thank you for tuning in to the Energies Love podcast. Thank you for subscribing, downloading, sharing, going onto iTunes and leaving a review. I don't know if you know you can do that, but you can do that if you want. That helps the podcast in some little way, shape, or form. And thank you everybody for listening. I have the deepest gratitude for the fact that I produce, edit, record, put all this time and energy into these podcast episodes and then shoot it out there and you guys listen and benefit, hopefully. <laughs> I know you do. Everybody I've ever talked to that listens to the podcast has benefited in some way, shape, or form. So that makes me really happy. Real quick before I get into the episode and who was on, I want to talk about the coaching that I do. So I work directly with men one-on-one -on -one in a really profound prophetic. Prophetic? I think that's a word. But that makes me sound like a prophet. I'm not a prophet. <laughs> but I work directly one-on-one -on -one with men in the space of helping them dive deeper into their emotions really at the end of the day. That's what it's about for me. It's about getting you to slow down, connect to what you're feeling in your body, feel that feeling, and then that's it. That's the magic behind feeling what we're feeling is that's really all you have to do. But it takes practice and a lot of times it takes help. I've had a lot of men help me in that space. I've continued to have a lot of men help me in that space of connecting to myself, connecting to what I'm feeling. And it's been life-changing. So I want to share that. I want to share that with the men that I work with. I want to share that with you if you're listening to this. So if you want to find out more about what it is that I do with my coaching, please reach out and connect. You can go to the website, energieslovepodcast.com, find some more information there, and then email me. Shoot me a message. It's super easy through the website. Just click on the contact tab, and I will reach out and get back to you, and we can start a conversation. We can start diving into you and where you need help because undoubtedly everybody does in some way, shape, or form. And I have a deep passion and respect for helping men connect to themselves, connect to their emotions, and then open up and connect to the world around them. So recently, Stephanie and I spent a week in California road tripping, driving down the coast. We got to hook up with some family while we were there, which was really, really nice. We also got to record quite a few episodes of the podcast. This is one of those episodes. So this episode is with Leanne Kreischer. Leanne is the host of a podcast called Wife of the Party. She's been doing the podcast for quite a while now. I think she's got 30-something episodes out, but I'm a huge fan. I started listening to her podcast after hearing her on her husband's podcast, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. She's really open and honest on her podcast, which I respect and I love, and the topics that she discusses and the way that she dives into them and shares openly about her own life and her own experiences is really inspiring. So I was super jazzed to meet Leanne. Stephanie and I were able to go out, hang out with her for a little bit. We recorded this episode for the podcast, and after that, we recorded an episode for Leanne's podcast, Wife of the Party. So when you get done listening to this, you can jump over to wifeotp.com. That's her website. Also, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find her podcast. And you can listen to the episode that Stephanie and I were on. It was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. And in the pro, I mean, we got to chat with Leanne for a little over two hours and we learned a lot. <laughs> it was really, really cool. She's an inspiring lady, has a lot of wonderful information. And as always, like she does on her podcast, she shared openly. And that's beautiful. It's powerful. It's inspiring. And I can't thank her enough for welcoming us into her home as well as taking the time to be on the podcast and also having us as a guest on her podcast. 
So it's kind of a dual thing. You get to listen to this episode, and I know you're going to enjoy it. And then be sure to jump over to her podcast and listen to the episode that Stephanie and I were, the, were on. So I'll stop rambling now, but remember it's wifeotp.com. And like I said, anywhere you download podcasts, you can go to YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, all those kind of different places. You can find Leanne's podcast. And I encourage you to go back and listen to all of her episodes and subscribe to her show because she's doing wonderful things with it. Thank you, Leanne, for being on the podcast. Now you guys get to sit back and relax and enjoy a wonderful episode of the podcast for the universe. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. Okay. You definitely have more energy than I do this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have been running uh, nonstop for several weeks, but... um. Yeah, we're a little, I don't, it's weird because we're not like worn out. Right. We're on vacation to a certain extent and we're doing things that we love and we're relaxing and taking that time and everything like that. But at the same time, it's a lot. Right. I mean, like we have yet to have that moment where we're just like chilling and not doing anything. I understand. Without any sort of distraction. However, we have spent a lot of time at the ocean and in the water. Nice. That always fixes everything in the end for us. So where have you been? We went to... Well, first off, I picked up Stephanie Monday morning in Oakland. I came out earlier in the week. I came out on Thursday. Mm -hmm. I think when I got into town, Thursday or Friday, I got into town. I was uh, up north in Petaluma for a retreat. And then that ended on Sunday. Picked up Steph on Monday. We spent Monday night in Pismo. Mm -hmm. Um, Got some family up in that area. So we hung out and relaxed and went to the ocean. Went and saw a movie, went and visited with family, had dinner, and then we came down here, and I've got another aunt that lives in Torrance. Oh, yeah. So we've been hanging out with them and uh, bouncing around and recording and doing different things. Torrance and Pismo are slightly different. Uh, (laughs) Quite a bit different. (laughs) Slightly, right? Yeah. We have a massive preference for... Pismo? Pismo. Yeah, it's shocking. (laughs) It's much more our scene. It's much more laid back. Yeah. It's uh, That's the type of beach that we like, the type of environment that we like, and... Torrance and we went to Santa Monica the pier yesterday Mm -hmm. and it's fun but it's like get the fuck away from us we just want to be in the ocean without any distraction with anything else yeah not the best beach for that no no you should go to Zuma where's that Zuma is north of Malibu Malibu is also beautiful but Zuma is um I mean it's still a public beach so there are people there but it's really kind of feels old school in that it has like old hot dog stands on the beach and all the big lifeguard stands and it's kind of a flat beach and it's really pretty that's where we go yeah we go to zuma this is kind of nobody it's not that nobody knows about it but it's not what most people don't know about it who don't live here yeah makes sense it's kind of a locals beach that would be the place to go then yeah yeah because we hate the touristy yeah full of all that shit i mean it's hard to get away from in la (laughs) but zuma is is good yeah. Zoom is great. Now that everyone heard this, so I'll be going to Zoom. <laughs> I totally blew my cover, but oh well. <laughs> so I have a thousand and one questions. Please. And I'm going to forget all of them. No, you won't. As we progress throughout the episode. Okay. But the first question that I ask everybody, mm-hmm. and I've only started doing it this year, really, in the last probably six months or so. And it's the first question that I kick the uh, every episode off with because I think it's a really 
important question. And I think it's the type of question that people need to start thinking about differently and framing things differently in their own lives. And so that's why I talk about it on the podcast. Can you have me a water, babe? I'm going to sit here and get caught in mouth and all sorts of, <laughs> um, what form of mental illness do you suffer from or how do you, where in your life do you struggle when it comes to your mental well-being and your mental balance? That's really an interesting question. I listened to some of your podcasts in preparation and I thought, I don't know that I have mental illness, so to speak. I was raised by someone who is mentally ill. So that definitely had heavy influence for sure in my human growth and development. I've never suffered from depression. I, I don't know that I have any kind of, I, I don't know that I have anything like that. Um, I've been in therapy for a long time. So I think my mental health and mental balance has always been a big focus for me because of the environment I grew up in. Um, and mom has is borderline personality disorder and has some sociopathic tendencies. I've never really talked about the sociopathic piece much because I don't, I don't want to, um, some of them were like criminal. So I don't want to get into that, but it was definitely there. And that definitely, um, took a lot of unraveling in therapy. So, so I don't know if I have any mental illness. Stubborn. Is that a mental <laughs> illness? Not always good to apologize unless I fully feel apologetic. Uh, <laughs> I think Bert would definitely say that's my problem is massively stubborn, but so think of it this way, because okay. that's one of the reasons why I like talking about it is I think a lot of times we think of mental illness, that terminology, that mm -hmm. phrase, having such a big stigma attached to it, where there's something wrong with us and we're right. broken in a way and right. we need to get fixed and we need to get treatment and some people suffer from mental illness their whole life and blah, 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 mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But I think everybody, the human experience and the human just living life, you experience difficulty in maintaining mental balance. Right. Where there's times where it seems incredibly chaotic mm -hmm. within your own head and your own self-talk and all these different thoughts. And then there's other times where you seem like you have a grasp on it, mm -hmm. but it's very fluid in the way that it shifts and changes, you know what I mean? Sometimes Absolutely, on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. And so that's kind of the bigger thing because I hate the stereotypes surrounding mental illness and mm -hmm. mental health. And I hate the way that people view it and the way that people disconnect from it and put all those people that suffer from something over mm -hmm. there in that category. And then all of us normal people over here in this category, when I think that's a big load of bullshit and mm -hmm. we're all in the same category, it's just the human experience of living in today's world or even yesterday's world. Yeah, I agree. I think we're all brought up with some biases, maybe even some unconscious biases we have against people who aren't quote normal. And, you know, I had, my mom was mentally ill in that way and her brother was schizophrenic. So, and I just adored him. I thought he was the best uncle ever. You know, I didn't have any kind of like, oh, he's broken. It's bad. I just knew he was, he drank a lot. And How old were you when you realized that he was schizophrenic? Well, I just realized he was an addict. And then when he was finally, he was arrested several times for drunk driving. And after the fifth time, that's a felony. It's like a, like a federal offense felony. Mm -hmm. So he was in prison and he was diagnosed then. And I was an adult at that point. But he had been an addict my whole life and had been paranoid. But you always think the paranoia came from the addiction, like from the drugs and the alcohol, but actually it came from schizophrenia, which the drugs and alcohol were trying to, 
to calm. Yeah, trying to mute. Yeah, yeah, I was like reverse mm-hmm. order. So once he was diagnosed, I was like, oh, thank God. Well, now we know how to help him. But, you know, that actually wasn't the case. He couldn't stay on his meds. He couldn't keep himself together. So, which was really painful because he was one of the most amazing. He passed away actually from brain cancer, uh, but it's one of the most amazing souls on the planet. Just the most loving, intelligent, beautiful people and just couldn't, couldn't get himself in a healthy, balanced place. He just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, He didn't have the support at home and I don't think he had his own inner support like of believing that he deserved to be balanced, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be um, functioning. He held a job his whole life, never missed a day of work. But the minute he got off work, he was hammered until the next day to manage, I think, what was going on in his brain. Yeah. Um, I still don't think I answered your question, though. Well, it (laughs) (laughs) because I listen to you, obviously, on your podcast. And I love the way that you talk. Uh, openly and freely about your life and like about your mother and the yeah. issues that you had growing up with her and all those kind of different things and the way that it's manifested in today's world and the way that you're still kind of coping and managing and yeah. I love the fact that you're in therapy all the time and that you talk about that as well because mm-hmm. I think it's massively beneficial um, <clears throat> because it's nothing to be ashamed of exactly in my opinion a therapist is like a mentor it's like or at least the way I treat my therapist now in the beginning, it was more of a med- not medical strong term, but more of a treatment where she was helping me treat my ailments, so to speak. Whereas now I feel like she's helping me manage my balance. So talk about the time period where it was more of her helping you treat your, you know, the, the issues, the ailments that you were dealing with. Well, okay. So growing up with my mom, my mom, borderline personality disorder, you know, she had narcissism as a disorder, which meant that anything that wasn't in alignment with her thoughts, feelings, beliefs, opinions was actually life threatening to her. So if I said, yeah, I don't like that blouse, it was disastrous. So I just would stop talking and I just wouldn't talk to her. Uh, I just literally shut my voice down. And what's fascinating to me is I have like a deformed vertebrae in my neck where my voice box is, <laughs> which I think is fascinating because I literally shut my voice down from age probably six till 13 when I moved back with my dad and just didn't talk to her at all mm-hmm. because it was too dangerous. It was too risky. I'd get in such big trouble, get spankings, you know, which is not so odd in the 70s that you got spankings. But for whatever reason, my brain would go, but wait, that wasn't actually wrong. Like I didn't, I I don't really do that anything wrong. So I don't understand why, like those two things aren't adding up. Mm -hmm. So as an adult, then I start going, I, I don't know what is true and what is her voice which it was so strong. So I had to start in my early 20s unraveling uh, my and finding my own voice. Where I remember once in New York, I was living in New York, and I was uh, at the grocery store. And I, she always, she was macrobiotic. So she always bought Lando Lakes butter. That was like the best butter she could buy at that time. (laughs) And I remember having a serious emotional struggle with not buying that butter. 
because I thought I was definitely probably the worst human on the planet to not do exactly what she said. And I had a breakdown in the D'Agostino grocery store on the Upper West Side. I was like, oh, I can't buy butter. I got to get out of here. This butter's killing me. I'm leaving. So for my 20s, I guess that was the ailment of being um, so afraid to have a voice that I couldn't find my own voice because I had shut it off so, so profoundly. Yeah. And then as a teenager... I just was acting out when I'd moved back to my dad. I was just a complete disaster because I, I, again, didn't know my own voice. So that piece of it was what was going on, I guess, with my mental illness. Definitely mentally imbalanced because I was making bad decisions a lot, too. And they were because I was trying to find my voice, my own inner barometer. As hers was so overpowering. Um, and it was so scary to have something other than hers. Do you think, that, <clears throat> do you think there was an aspect of it as well that was kind of in rebellion, obviously? Oh yeah. Where you no longer had to listen to that. And now you're out there trying to, like you said, find your own voice, but like all the behaviors and actions and everything that stem from it, just in opposition right off the bat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom's model, highest paid model in Atlanta for years really beautiful um she was a runway model in italy just gorgeous and um when i was 23 she and i had a really bad argument and i ended up uh like pushing her and and it was a really bad argument because she'd asked me to lie to her current husband about an affair she was having Mm -hmm. and i basically was like i'm not i don't i don't lie for myself so i'm not lying for you and it became a really bad argument And after that, I cut my hair completely off and wore only overalls and work boots. I was like, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, I I reject any piece of beauty, any piece of beauty that might exist on my physical body. Fuck off. I don't want any of it because it's definitely from her. Yeah. And I don't want any of that. I she had given me she always had uh, put a lot of value on jewelry so she always gave me jewelry and her gifts were never for free. Her gifts were always with a string. Don't you hate that? Yes, because a gift is not a gift if it's not for free. Yeah, we've got family like that today where yeah. you're like, ah, that would be really, really nice. However, we know the price that we're going to be it's paying Too high, for right? Yeah. Price too high. So when I, when I was purging her from mentally and emotionally, I gave away everything she'd ever given me. I gave it to family members who I thought would enjoy it. I didn't just throw it in the street. I gave it away with some appreciation that it had value and that it was a beautiful thing and that it was energy leaving me going to them, hopefully in a positive way. Um, yeah, I gave away everything she ever gave me because I had to cut every string. I had to cut every string. And I thought I had and until I was in my uh, late 20s and I cycle starts again and really, ah, you know, I got to try one more time, see if I can fix this with my mom. She's my mom and got back in the cycle again and yeah. cut it for good. For when good. you, because uh, your girls are teenagers, right? One teenager, one almost teenager. Almost teenager. When you had kids, because mm-hmm. this is the other thing that I think happens to us, at least for me personally, 
I always rebelled against being like my dad. I didn't want to be like my dad. I wanted to avoid all the same behaviors that drove me nuts and the uh, ways that he treated me as a son and all these kind of different things. And then when I became a father, there were like multiple times on a continuing basis <laughs> for the lifespan of my children up to this point still, yeah. where I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to be like my dad. Yeah. So it's awareness of it, but it's still challenging. So even though you cleanse a lot of that and you purge a lot of that and you mm -hmm. heal from a lot of that mm -hmm. when you had girls when you had your daughters did you have that as well where suddenly yeah. you were starting to see your mom come out in your own actions and behaviors i did i did and i you know my mom wasn't all bad she was fun every morning she would wake me up singing she was usually in a good mood um beautiful obviously um she did have some awareness of like, I'm macrobiotic. I make my kid eat this terrible stuff every day, but every other Friday we're having pizza. And you know, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're eating like rice cakes and dried banana chips and whole, you know, roasted chicken and no flavor all day, every day, a pizza every other week is fucking fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So I am very much like her, in those things and that was hard for me to accept the positive because i had kind of trained myself to reject all of her yeah so yes i had some bad stuff too where i'd catch myself saying something and i'd go oh my god that's exactly something my mom would say but i also have always i think from a really young age realized that she was not okay and that I actually am okay in that men in that real mental health way, and that I don't have borderline personality disorder. I don't have that broken piece that she had. So there was a part of me that, even though the words came out the same as hers, my backstory with my kids is totally different. My backstory is not about oppression and controlling. My kids definitely have a voice. Um, so I guess I was less panicked about it when I heard my mom I was more panicked about the positive because then I was like oh fuck I'm really turning into her now yeah. I mean I can't be this person and I had to kind of process through that a little bit to go you know what the things she gave you that were beautiful also made you who you are not just the things she gave you that were ugly because it, it is a whole package you know it's a full package it's not not a burrito without the wrap. So, you know, so that part was harder than I expected it to be. Because every day I turn the lights on and go, good morning, good morning. And my kids are like, ah. <laughs> and a part of me goes, yes, that's just like my mom. You know, to try and accept uh, the love. Because energy is love is the name of your podcast. Energy, love is energy. You know, and she did love me and it just, she was just really limited. And as a child, you, you can't, you can't possibly understand that. But I've been in therapy for so long that a long time ago, I just decided that I would accept all her love and forgive everything else and forget, not forget it. But forgive it because to forget it would be I would probably go back in the cycle with her again and I'm never going back in that cycle with her again. Not Is she ever. still around? Yeah, she's still alive. 
Yes. And, um, do you have much of a relationship with none her? at all? No, I, her father passed away two years ago. I saw her at his funeral and her behavior is just bizarre. I mean, my kids are like, whoa, <laughs> like, wow, that's bizarre. She does very, a lot of, she has a lot of covert behaviors and, you know, like mispronouncing my name on purpose, like stuff like that, where you go, I, I totally get what you're doing. And it's not going to work. You know, it doesn't work anymore. Sorry, I'm not 12. I'm yeah. 45. So, but my kids were like, how weird. What? what that's really weird. Um, and then I had one other contact. When, when I got pregnant with Georgia, with my oldest, uh, she and I had had a falling out over something really silly. And she wouldn't um, accept my phone calls to accept any kind of apology or explanation for something I didn't even feel I needed to apologize for, but to try and mend. And, um, I couldn't get her on the phone. So to tell her I was pregnant, I kept saying, I need to talk to you. Call me. I need to tell you something. This is really important. She never did over like six weeks. So I emailed her and said, I just need you to know that I'm going to have a baby. I've been trying to call you to tell you this in person, but you're not accepting my phone calls. And, um, the email I got back was insane. I printed it and gave it to my future sister-in-law and she just started crying. She was like, I can't believe a mom would speak to their daughter this way. And that's when I said, she's done. You will not do that to my kids. You will not have a granddaughter that you can push and pull like a rag doll. Absolutely not. There's no way. Bert Kreischer, my husband is so sensitive that if he had that mom, he'd be in pieces. Yeah. My oldest daughter is just like him. So if she had that grandmother, she'd be in pieces. And I, 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 I was like, I'm, I cannot do that. I thank God all the time I did not have a sibling. Because if if I'm like my mom and I'm made of her metal, if if I'd had a sibling made of my dad's metal, they'd be, they'd be in big trouble. They'd be an addict or I, I just don't believe they'd made it through. My dad barely made it through. Yeah. So. It makes me very happy. <laughs> what? It does? Okay, good. <laughs> no, because you listen to it. You listen to that, just that short little kind of story of your life to some extent, even though it doesn't define who you are, obviously, right. in any way, shape, or form. But <clears throat> living with somebody like that. Because I'm sitting here thinking about my mom and my grandmother. And my grandmother was very crazy like whatever we wanted to label her as or classify her as or whatever the case may be. She was just crazy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't experience it a ton as a, as her grandson. We just got a lot of, you know, we had a good relationship with her, even though we knew that she was a little quirky. She was definitely a hoarder, uh, which was just like the easiest thing to see in regards to her mental health. Right. But, um, growing up with her, is this Halston? This is Halston. Yeah. Hey, what's up? We're going to be a little bit. <laughs> Do you want to come back in like half an hour? Sure. Is that okay? Sure. All right. That way you're not just sitting here. Yep, yep. Okay. Okay. Is that okay with you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I listened to my mom talk about, you know, some of the things that they had to go through and experience when they were kids. And so I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about that and I'm listening to you and it's like where you're at today and being able to live through something like that with awareness, like you said, from a pretty early age, you realize that. I can hear those things in my head, but I know that I'm not crazy. Like I know that I don't have that thing that she has, right. even though I have to rebel, not rebel, but I have to, uh, process through it. Like that's special, Ian. I don't know if you realize well, that. 
Well, I don't know. It but. really is because a lot of people don't, whether they don't have that piece, whether they never make that connection, but to be able to be raised by somebody who is that mentally ill mm-hmm. and who has struggled. And undoubtedly, we could go in and think about and talk about your mom and her mother and her right. father and all the reasons why your mother ended up the way that she ended up. Yeah. But for you to have that awareness and to break the cycle, because mm-hmm. undoubtedly you broke that cycle and you're continuing to break that cycle with your daughters and all of that kind of stuff. That is powerful and that is special. Aww. And I applaud you for that. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I know for sure I don't have a common genetic makeup. Special is hard for me to accept. But I know, like I said, if if I had had a brother or sister made like my dad, they, I don't think they would be in as good a shape. I'm so freaking stubborn. And that, I think, was a savior because that little part of my brain that went, that ain't right, was so stubborn that I just refused to believe that it was. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom tried to sell a car one time and the car had been wrecked and she lied to the person she was selling it to and said, no, it had never been wrecked. And I called her out on it in front of him and I went, that's not true. It was wrecked because ethically I knew that was wrong. I was probably eight and I got my ass whooped for that (laughs) but in my brain i kept going but that ain't right you can't sell somebody a car and tell them it wasn't wrecked when it was wrecked that's wrong like that's that's like factually wrong so for whatever that little genetic piece was that stubborn i don't give a shit that i'm gonna get my ass whooped because i knew i was i just felt that was so wrong and i couldn't I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go along with it. So, of course, she never took me with her again. So <laughs> I was gone. I stayed at home by myself. So she sold the car, I'm sure, lying to the person about it being wrecked. But I just thought, yeah, I, I don't jive with that at all. And that, that is a small example of things that would happen constantly with her. Stealing things. She'd make me steal things for her. And I just kept going, this is wrong. This is not Okay. And I never went back in that belief. Like I never had a point where I was like, yeah, I could just steal that. You know, like in high school, I never did that. I stole a piece of bubble gum once from Woolworths and I thought I was going to die. Um, but anyway, thank you for the compliment. That's really nice of you to say. It's um, Think about all the people that you know in your life. Yeah. <clears throat> and think about how much, because our, our past, our childhood, our, our parents, all that energy that we bring from them and then the stuff that they bring from their parents, so many times those cycles just repeat themselves they ongoing do. over and Absolutely. over and over again. And being able to break that cycle, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whether it's addiction, whether it's mental health, whether it's abuse, whatever those things are that manifest themselves between parent and child, to not recreate those with your own children and to break some of those cycles is very, very difficult, I think. It is very difficult. It's like a rewiring of your brain, yeah. sort of. And um, the vast majority of people aren't aware of it mm-hmm. and uh, don't do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it takes a monumental amount of effort. It's like turning around a dump truck with your two hands. Like you, it's, it's really hard. But... I had a point when I was in my 20s where I thought, I don't have a choice. I'm not willing to repeat that. Like, that's not an option. So I have to figure out a new way, 
which is why I went into therapy and have stayed in therapy because, you know, the second time I started therapy, it was right after I started dating Bert. And I thought to myself, uh oh, I'm in trouble. Like, I think this may be my guy. And I don't know how to do this. My mom has six divorces, my dad has two. I have no example. And all of my aunts and uncles who are married, except for one couple, are not happy. So I don't have a roadmap here. So I need to find somebody who ha- can get help me with my own roadmap. It doesn't need to be their roadmap. It can be mine, but I have no idea what I'm doing here. My mom's solution to any conflict was to leave. You know, I never see you again. Uh, hence the six divorces. Hence the three times I was disowned entirely for years at a time. So um, I, I wish... I really wish people had less shame about their places they need to learn. It's really about learning. You know, I've always been real good at climbing trees. I didn't need to learn that skill. Somehow I was birthed knowing how to climb a tree. (laughs) But I needed to learn certain skills, and I wasn't going to learn them from my dad. So there's no shame in saying, I don't know how to do this. So I need to find somebody who can help me learn how to do this. Because here's a newsflash. Most people don't know how to do that. Get Be married and work through a conflict and feel fulfilled. Well, I know? talk about this all the time because for me, like... <clears throat> we we accept it like we don't have shame if it's a if it's something that's concrete like if i need to learn how to ride a bike oh totally yeah then it's okay we accept the fact that we're going to fuck up or we're going to fall down and we're going to eventually get it yeah you're right if i if, if i'm learning a new language or something like mm-hmm. that then it's okay i'm not going to speak it very well for a while and i need to continue to practice it and everything like that right but the stuff that we carry shame about uh we are ashamed of we don't want to talk about we don't want to accept the fact that i don't know how to connect with my wife i don't know how to be in a healthy relationship right i don't know how to fully express myself and listen to another person fully express themselves right be okay with all of that Mm -hmm. because we never fucking practice it nobody ever showed us how to ride that bike absolutely not and so that's the part that it's like if we just accept that life in all of its aspects and the you know every angle that life comes at us we have to practice. We do, yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yoga, breathing, everything is a practice. Even, you know, I didn't know how to fight when I first got married. Fighting for me, this is horrible to admit, but I was a very physical fighter. If I got in an argument, I would get really physical. That's just, my youngest daughter's wired the same way. She hit people till she was four and a half years old. <laughs> and I was like, girlfriend, it's because you can't articulate. Mm-hmm. It's because your emotions shut down that ability to articulate and I was never taught how to articulate my feelings so I had to learn it and my youngest daughter was very much the same I had to teach her that the reason you're hitting is because you don't have words so let's find the words and go hit your pillow (laughs) don't hit your sister or your classmate but when I first got together with Bert I did not know how to fight with him I, I argue with him because I would just want to get physical and I wouldn't allow myself to get physical. So I just shut down and I know in my brain, this is not healthy, but Bert said to me, this is not healthy. I am here to help you figure this out. I have seen my parents argue and recover and continue on. You have no experience of that. Your parents argue and divorce. 
argue and divorce, argue and divorce. So of course you're terrified, whether you realize you're terrified or not, that's what's happening. So let me be your partner and let's figure out how to argue. You know, I've never been a defamation of character person, not even when I was really angry and hitting people. I never was a name caller or anything like that. Neither was Bert. So we already had that kind of level playing ground. But I had to really, it was like um, my whole body would start shaking from the inside to just the thought of having to say, of having to control my physical self long enough to be able to express myself emotionally was really hard. I mean, my whole body from from my stomach would just start shuddering. And I'd shudder all over just to be able to say, I just need you to take out the garbage. (laughs) It's not that big of a deal. But for me, it was monumental. And how I would imagine how I was never ashamed but I can imagine how that would make people feel ashamed. That I can't even say, I need you to take out of the garbage. What an idiot are you, you know? But I'm, I don't know. I, I just never have had that. Well, I love the piece. idea too that, that like um, <clears throat> having to practice how to argue, how to uh-huh. practice how to have a disagreement, mm-hmm. right? That's a skill set. It is. it's going to happen. Yeah. You're not going to be married to somebody. You're not going to be in a relationship with anybody, whether it's a, an intimate relationship, a friendship, anything like that. You're going to have those moments. Yeah. And that's a awesome awareness. And I think it's awesome that Bert's like, hey, I'm going to help you with this because you don't have this example in your life. Right. Um, but that's even that alone, Leanne, like people don't think like that. People don't no. look at things that way. We just get in there and then we recreate the the argumentative styles and the disagreement styles that our parents displayed and that we picked up. Yep. And And everybody starts fighting for their own team instead of fighting for the common team. Like, what do we want here? We want each other to be happy. So if my focus is to be heard and have you still be happy and your focus is to be heard and still have me be happy, then we're going to win at the end of the day. Somebody may get their feelings hurt or something, but at the end of the day, you're taken care of because your your focus is, I want him to be happy too. So how can we both be happy? Where's the win-win in this instead of, no, 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 it's my agenda. I'm going to win <laughs> and you're going to lose. I'm really lucky with Bert in that. He may be very like bro <laughs> on the outside, but he's very girl on the inside. He's way more girl than I am. And I think that's good because if I had ended up with a real bro, I would have been in trouble. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I would have been at some point would have been like, fuck off. I'm, I'm out. But he's such a girl in, and I mean that in a positive way. He's, he's, um, very emotionally open and and very, um, receptive and very, um, soft i don't know if it's because he grew up with two sisters or if it's just who he is or does it really even matter um but yeah i i i wonder about that a lot when i listen to my friends talk about their arguments with their spouses why isn't the focus a win-win a win-win is possible almost always but the focus seems to be no i win and then really everybody loses don't you think? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea that you're on the same team. Yeah. Like there's no competition. No. It's not a battle. It's not an argument. We're literally on the same team headed towards the same place. Right. We're we're doing this together. And if you're not, then that's an entirely different conversation. Yeah. Then we have a lot more work to do. Oh, yeah. Then there's some problems. Mm -hmm. But, and that's okay, too. You know, I think people sometimes get divorced for the right reasons. You know, they grow, especially people that get married really young. You know, you start out. I have changed so profoundly since my high school boyfriend. Oh, my God. I would never be happy with that guy, you know. But you think that's who you're going to be forever when you're 20. And all of a sudden, I, I could imagine growing through my 20s and 30s, how hard it would be to have <coughs> your partner not grow in the same way. Not that you need them to be the same as you, but that you at least are somehow in alignment. You know that poem by Khalil Gibran that says the oak and the elm grow not in each other's shadow. Two totally different trees. But they can't, one can't overshadow the other one. They can't grow. So I always thought of a marriage as that. I'm an oak. He's an elm. Let's keep growing. But nobody overshadow each other. And I would imagine it would be really hard if you find that suddenly the elm has stopped growing and the oak continues. How, how would you manage that? Yeah, I see that all the time. Like uh, this past year, I've been doing a ton of... Um, work with myself yeah internal self-work who i am what, like I, what? I stand for it, tons of stuff like what <laughs> like yoga no unfortunately like not like what no like uh deep 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 um work in regards to like what my core is what, right reflection work kind of sort of yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to it's not hard to verbalize it's a big fucking story of like basically shedding off all the shit, all yeah, the trauma, yeah. all the pain, all the disconnect, all the uh, self-destruct behavior, all the uh, shame is a huge one, all the rage, everything that has been, you know, crammed inside my body for my entire life. This past year, I've been going through and pulling it all out and looking at it and sitting with it, processing it. And that's hard. It's, it's incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. Um, but the whole oak elm tree, the thing like Stephanie and I, I think really struggled in that space for a long time. And I love the metaphor that you used to describe it because I would constantly try to overshadow her. Mm. I would constantly try to grow faster than her or mm. think that I was growing faster than her. And I see that a lot in men where, not just in men, but I see that a lot in relationships where people think that uh, they're just you know, they can't catch up to me where I'm at now at this point because I've evolved so much or I'm growing so much or I'm doing so much improvement on who I am and they're stuck. They're not growing anymore. Interesting. And now we have this disconnect and what are we going to do with that? And I'm really pulling away from them and all this bullshit that we spin and tell ourselves when really like you have to make that conscious decision to continue to grow together, even if one of you is like on a growth spurt, let's right. say, right? The other person isn't stuck. The other person isn't stagnant. You're not necessarily growing apart from one another. Um, you're just on a growth spurt. Right. So maybe you lend that tree a little bit more shade or you open up a little bit more so they get a little bit more fucking sunlight 
and they can continue to keep up with you because it's not a race. It's not a competition. Right, right. But I think that happens a lot when people, especially in relationships where they start to heal some of their own inner stuff Mm -hmm. and make peace with who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. I think they have a tendency to mirror that outwardly in a negative way on the other person because they think they're not doing that. And if they're not doing that work, are they going to be good enough to be with me anymore? Are they going to be on the same level that I'm on and all those kind of different things that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people definitely grow apart and it's time for a relationship to end and all right. that kind of stuff. But I think the majority of the time, it's just another layer that you can go deeper into to recognize and see your own like um, fallacies, your own uh, ignorance, your own inability to really dive into your own shit even past that layer and recognize. You are right. That is right. <laughs> you know what happens when, this is my opinion, sometimes when you get in this in, it, extreme intense growth, your ego wakes up. And the ego, there's healthy parts of the ego, and then there's parts of the ego that protect you, that keep you from being vulnerable that keep you from being open and accepting. Um, I know for me, when I was, I was going through something like that too in my twenties, um, where I met a shaman who's a Reiki master. And he basically was like, if you do what I say, you're going to have a great life or you can continue on. But if you make (laughs) this choice, you have to know there's no going back and it's going to be really hard. So this upheaval and uh, mass extraction is very difficult and painful. I did that when I lived in New York City. Um, it was really hard. But I remember calling him and talking to him about this amazing place I've gotten to and this great enlightenment that I'd found. And he would say, watch that ego. And I'd go, what do you mean? I'm just, I'm telling you that I did this great thing. He was like, mm-mm. Watch that ego. It's not about that. It's about where you are. And it has nothing to do with anybody else on this planet. That was really hard. Because I'd go, but don't I get some kind of accolades for the shit I've just gotten out of my body? Come on. Yeah. I just spent like, I just really, really like exorcised this awful, nasty cancer. I don't get like a pat on the back for that. And he'd go, nope. Nope, not about that. And it's not about that. It's about being, just being where you are and accepting everybody as they present themselves to you. Not as you see them, as they present to you. And I, it, it was hard to wrap my head around. But I think your ego gets involved. Your ego's there to protect you in a lot of ways and keep you safe. Yeah, it definitely serves a purpose. Yes, for sure. It's not a bad thing. There's so many people that, especially like like in the realm of spirituality and deeper Mm -hmm. meaning and all this kind of dumb stuff, people think that they need to kill their ego. They need to get rid of their ego. They need to distance themselves and quiet the ego. And it's there for a complete 100% purpose and it serves its purpose. It's a tool. Yeah, you just have to bounce that space. Yes, it can't rule you Mm -hmm. it has to be a tool to help you assess and and feel and move forward yeah i I, I do i don't do that all the time i'm doing better at not doing that all the time but i do that all the time where i'm like universe like look at all the fucking work i've done right look at how you know 
like see me see me i'm doing good like let go of right. causing me all this pain and heartache and shit that i'm going through don't you see how hard i've worked and i constantly remind myself like the universe doesn't give a fuck like it's well, i don't even think around. it's that you know what i think it is i think it's a different level of self-esteem where you go of course i did that of course i did of course i did that not an ego thing but like a true sense of healthy pride Pride also is not a bad thing. Pride, it, where it's connected to vanity or a, achievement in like an accolade sense, but pride in a sense of, I did that. And that was for me, and I am so proud of myself, is something entirely different than the pride we were brought up to understand. One of the deadly sins is pride, right? But I don't believe that's true. I think it is pride if it's connected to ego and power, not empowerment, but power and that kind of dark part. And you have to have dark parts too. You know, if you don't have dark, how can you recognize and understand light? I read this thing long time ago that, or maybe maybe the shaman told me about it, where the the um caverns or the crevices that your pain carves is the depth of the joy that can fill them so if you don't really go through all that pain that you're going through unearthing and getting rid of all this stuff how can you be that full of joy unless that's been released and unearthed and that is something to be proud of to be really proud of in a self-esteem kind of way to go, of course I did that because I am really a powerful person, not power in the bad sense, an empowered person. I'm a really empowered person. I, I do that even with this website. I mean, this podcast, you know, I had that meeting. I don't know if you listened to the podcast I did with my husband, with Jair, who was a behavioral analyst. It's, I want to talk about that. Oh, you do? That's, okay. So... <laughs> It was a slap in the back of the head. Yeah, and you it heard was. it. And I heard it because that this is who I really am and still was then. I was just a bit off in the ditch. That's the thing I want to talk about because okay. I obviously I like Bert's podcast and I listen to Bert's podcast. My favorite episodes of Bert's podcast, even my favorite parts of Bert's podcast were when you would come on, <laughs> whether it was the beginning portion or even some of the episodes where you were on. That's very and, sweet. Um, Thank you. And it's not that I don't like Bert, but it was like, I could hear all the shit that you were saying. Yeah. And I just wanted more of it because mm. when you speak and on your show now, when you speak, you're just speaking truth, Leanne. Aww. You're like, you're not fake. You're not full of shit. You're not trying to paint some rose-colored picture of your life and your experiences and who you are and i love that Aww, that's the kind you. of stuff that i really resonate with and the kind of stuff that i really like listening to me too and so on that one specific episode where what's the guy's name jair jair mm -hmm. he kicked my bootang yes and i was so happy like i was so excited to hear that and like have you see the you know all of that take place and then to watch you from that point on, like, like you said, this is who I've always been. I just yeah. was a little off course. Yeah, I was in the ditch. And so what was that experience like in the sense of, because that happens to everybody, right? It happens to everybody. What do you mean? What part of the experience? Being in the ditch or being woke? Not, like waking <laughs> up to the fact that you were in the ditch and then the steps that you have had to take and struggle against to get out of the ditch 
to continue to move forward into who you really are. That podcast really was like somebody slapped me in the back of the head. You know how in high school someone would go pop in the back of your head, just pop you hard. That's what it was like. I cried for like three days. You know, the part that has been another piece of my mental health work is I've been reading books recently. You know, I knew I had a tough childhood, but hey, I wasn't molested. I didn't have, nobody beat me. You know, I don't have stuff like that. So I would, I would lessen my experience because I knew people had it far worse, you know, so much worse. So I would go, well, you really weren't, it wasn't that bad. But my friend Kathy, who's on my podcast quite often, uh, recommended a book to me called Strong at the Broken Places. She recommended it to me years ago and I just never read it, never read it, never read it. And one time I read it recently, and it's about abuse. And I had never put that label on myself. And that kicked my ass. Where I was like, wow, there are so many stories in here that are exactly my experience. And they're calling those stories abuse. So now I have to call my stories abuse. Not that I need to call it that way publicly, but I have to own that maybe my pain was deeper than I was admitting to myself. So now I have to process through that. So when Jair in the in the podcast read my little chart said the only reason this is at 98% is from trauma. I went, "Fuck me." Now I really have to own that. I'd read the book about it <laughs> and I'd owned it, but this guy doesn't know me at all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know anything about me. I took this test totally not influenced by anybody. And he can read that from my chart. That is part of my fabric, and I need that fabric to change. I need a deeper learning here. I need a deeper teaching of myself because really at 48, I'm teaching myself, right, with my therapist, with my friends, with my personal relationships, with my relationship to God. It's all a self-taught path. So when he saw that trauma I was like, wow, okay. I thought I had done all this work on myself. I thought I was so enlightened. And still, the fabric of my being has that trauma. Okay, so how is that informing my everyday? And I was able to see how it was informing my everyday very clearly. I don't ever ask Bert for help, ever. Because I just don't ever ask for help, ever, with anything. Well, now I need to start asking for help because it's out of my comfort zone. And for me to say, hey, can you take out the garbage is not a big deal. But I just never would do it. I would never allow people to care for me. I always cared for everybody else. And I have such a great capacity to do that. But that's not the point. You know, when you're a friend, you like to give to that friend. And you like to receive from that friend. So if I was a friend who was always giving but never receiving, then I'm not really a friend. Like that moment woke up for me too. And then for this podcast, I started thinking the negatives. My friends aren't going to want to do that. It's so much of their time. That's going to be a lot to ask. And I said, no, that's what you, that's the trauma. That's that part of the chart that he read is talking to you right now. So don't listen to it. If you want to change the fabric, you have to stop listening to everything that's in alignment with that part of that chart. And then the chart will start balancing out. 
So that's what I did. Everything back like when I was 20, where I had to evaluate every thought, feeling, emotion, action to see if it was in alignment with who I wanted to be or who I was actually at the core. I started doing that in the fall with him going, does this serve my higher self? Yes or no. Does this serve that piece of the chart? Yes or no. And I made decisions based on that. So he became, or that moment, that experience with Jair became a barometer, a new barometer for me. I think I had lost my barometer a little bit. You know, raising kids, as you guys know, can be a bit overwhelming, (laughs) especially when my husband is also kind of a kid and is also never home. So I got lost, I think, a bit in, no, their needs need to be cared for. Mine is just a want where my needs were optional. That's what I came away from too. I remember sitting in my room crying and I said to Bert, I just figured something out about myself. This is really important. My needs are optional. My need for everything, for healthy food, for sleep, for basic human needs are totally optional. And that's not okay. I wouldn't accept that for any person walking on this planet, but I have accepted that for myself. And then that makes me out of integrity. I'm fully out of integrity to live like this one more day. Being in integrity was something that shaman Reiki master planted in my brain. Everything, is this in integrity? Simple yes or no question. And then you know how to move forward. Is this in integrity? And I was like, I'm so out of integrity. I can't, I can't, I can't go forward. I have to deal with this. Now it's, I have to. And that guy reached out. He didn't even know who we were. His best friend was a big fan of Bert's. He had never seen Bert's comedy or listened to his podcast ever. He had no idea who we were. So it was divine. Yeah. It was it was divine. The universe went, guess what, lady? <laughs> You've been sleeping too long. Yeah, Time to wake not, up. You're not done yet. Not done yet. We're, but that's another part of it is. I think I thought it was kind of done. Yeah, we always do. We always think that we've reached this spot. We've reached this place where like, fuck, I'm squared away and I'm doing so good and life's well and I'm healed and I'm not struggling anymore. And and we never are. No, never. There is never the level of growth and development where you have ascended to the spot of being a perfect human being and adult. It's not an achievable thing that will ever come. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. I think I realized that from that moment with Jair too, is that I went, oh, I kind of thought I was done. And I'm never done. Yeah. So I'm such a glass half full girl. I was like, bring it on. Let's put that curiosity. Let's go. Then what am I supposed to learn now? What can I learn now? How can I be now? This is going to be fun. So after a couple of days of being complete wreck, because I was a, I mean, like I would start crying spontaneously for no reason for like probably three or four days after that. I just would be walking in my house and start sobbing. And I think that's another part of the process of really peeling away who you are is allowing yourself to be exactly where you are in that moment, if it's at all possible. Obviously, I wouldn't have started crying at the DMV. But in my house, I can walk through my house and go (laughs) and process that feeling out and really be able to see what is this about? And honestly, sometimes crying is not about anything. Well, that's the thing, because I'm the biggest proponent and believer that we 
don't have to have that dynamic of what is this about? Yeah, no, What no. is the correlation and connection for me feeling or expressing or going through this experience if it's in regards to our emotions? The simple fix or the simple solution or what this is about is just the mere fact that you experience it. Absolutely. That you allow it to come in, feel it, and then let it go. And right. it stays as long as it wants. Mm-hmm. And the more you try to force it, disconnect from it, push it away, the 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 more it's just going to show up. Yeah, good luck, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> good luck, because yeah. it's not going anywhere <laughs> the more you try to control it. That's right. It's about being in a certain flow and allowing that flow to be whatever it is and to be okay with scary emotions. You know, not well, all. What's the hardest one for you to be okay with? Anger. Anger. And I always think anger is a mask of something deeper. I agree. I think it is. Do you want me to tell you what I think it is? Yeah. I think it's just a mask of pain and sadness and fear. Probably. The really like the, I don't want to be alone in this world mm-hmm. and nobody loves me mm-hmm. is like the deepest, seedest, the deepest seated fear mm-hmm. and emotion that everybody has. Yeah. And then we just pile all of these other things on top of it to hide from it and distance ourselves from that thing. Because at the end of the day, we are all going to fucking die alone totally yeah when we finally close our eyes and exhale our last breath even if there's people surrounded by us in a loving kind way we still have to face the unknown by ourselves true very true and i think that's the that that's the thing that we're all piling other things on top of to avoid right and so anger hides that really deep-seated thing of i am alone and i have to do it by myself you're probably right about the i am alone especially um the sadness, I don't have a problem feeling the sadness now. Mm-hmm. I did when I was younger. Um, so how do you resist anger now? Like if it's the hardest one for you to kind of process, how do you? I eat it. <laughs> I do. I yeah. eat it. It's not super healthy, but I do eat it a lot. Yeah. I try and work it out in myself. And um, hey, I, I'm not the healthiest person on the planet, I don't think. But that's what I do is I just eat it most of the time. Because um, my experience of anger with my uh, life is that I become physical. And I just won't don't want to do that. So I'll just eat it. But you're right, it it is, it is a mask of something deeper usually. So maybe the next time I get anger, angry, I'll stop and say, what is this really about? What if the next that? time that you get angry, Leanne, <clears throat> You just fucking feel it. <laughs> I just am angry. Yeah. And I just hit everybody. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to make sense of it. You don't have to correlate it or Maybe. piece it together or because that's the like the part of our brain that wants to contextualize and understand what the fuck is going on. Right. Is the part that wants to take a feeling and emotion and experience and then solve it so that we never feel it again. However, we will always feel anger again. Yeah, that's true. It's going to come again at some point in our life. And so the mere practice of just allowing it to show up, feel it without trying to connect it to anything else in our fucking life or put the puzzle pieces together for it to make sense, Mm -hmm. the, the fix for it, the solution for it, the way to move past it is just to simply allow it to flow into your body, feel it when it's here, be present in the moment with it, and then watch it fucking walk out. Right. And just say, I'll see you next time. Right. See you next time. I'll be waiting. Yeah. Because it's going to come back. Yeah, maybe so. I'll try doing that. That's a good suggestion. That is the one 
feeling I don't, I don't like. I guess if I had to connect shame to any feeling, it would be anger. Um, although I don't really feel ashamed, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it in the way that I have dealt with it in the past. So I guess I just need to learn a new way to deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like everything else that you've realized throughout your life. Yeah. Something else that you need some help with, something else that you need awareness for so that you can bring some more practice to it. Totally. And I don't get angry very often. I don't. It's not very often. Um, Well, that's not entirely true. But see, now sometimes. Just because you avoid it? (laughs) No, well, no, that's a good question. I actually was very angry last week because um, we hired a company to. do some like graphic design for us and they sent me a proof and it had typos in it and let me tell you something i lost my noodle lost my fucking noodle because i was like i would fire you if if i were your boss you would be fired for sending a client something with a typo how can you do that to me how can you waste my time (laughs) like i literally went to the moon over this thing that i guess you could say is not a big deal but i felt like massively offended because how dare you? Now I have to check every word of everything you do. Now I don't trust you. Now I can't trust you. Now I don't want to pay you. Now I want to fire you. You know, that's <laughs> that's where I went. And I was telling Bert about this. Who's like, it's a typo. I'm like, yeah, but don't you, don't you understand the significance of this typo? It's really bad. <laughs> this is really bad. So I did feel anger last week. I ranted and raved about it forever. Yeah. Forever. And I kept, I was tired of hearing myself rant and rave about it, but I was still angry. I was offended that they would send me this. <laughs> that somebody made a mistake? That, yes. Well, <laughs> that, the nature of the mistake. Yeah. Not that they make a mistake. Mistakes happen. But it made me feel like they were super amateur and not paying attention and were paying them a lot of money and I shouldn't have to deal with that. Like I could deal with other things like, oh, the types... Like it's formatted wrong or the proportion's not what I like or something like that. But I tight they misspelled the world ready. They left the Y <laughs> off ready. And it was the top line was ready for, and it said red for. And I was like, seriously? It's the first thing on the thing. How do you miss that? I was so mad about that. <laughs> I guess if that's my only problem. Yeah, I really that's don't have one. any problems. That's not bad. <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, I want to give us enough time because we're doing lots of cool shit today and I'm excited for that. Um, Oh, you're an empath. I think I am. You're totally an empath. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. Like, don't think it like you are. You connect to and you feel other people, uh, not just like what they're thinking, but the the energy that they carry behind their thoughts and emotions. You tap in and connect and feel that. Yeah, I think so. uh I definitely can read somebody real quick. Yeah. And size up positive negative what's going on what's broken what's working what's all that really quickly yeah i've always been that way Mm -hmm. since i was really young my mom used to make fun of me for it (laughs) she'd always say don't ask leanne if you don't want to (laughs) know because she will tell you (laughs) why do you bring that up because it was on a recent episode i think um the book club with paula maybe and maybe uh, before that anyways you guys were talking about it and you've talked about it a handful of times but i always um Everybody has that skill set, but not everybody has practiced that a lot. And it's like anything else. Sometimes people are just naturally good at basketball or naturally Mm -hmm. good at something, right? Painting or art or something like that, even though we can all paint in some way, shape or form. What ways do you, do you own that in the sense, because it can be, 
like if you start bringing awareness to it and you uh, recognize it and own it and practice it and hone it more, you can even like not master it, but use it in more applicable ways in your life. Do you do that? What do you mean? Like what? Well, like, um, <clears throat> like I can levitate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like 10th level empath. I'm that. only two <laughs> level two, but it's the ability to see, I mean, it's everything that you naturally do. Read people, read a situation, read energy to kind of see, engage and get the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you bring awareness to the fact that you can do that and that you do that naturally and tune into it more, then it becomes easier to do. And then it's also easier to avoid situations that you may have otherwise gone down that path slightly before you get awareness of it. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. I definitely do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just practice it more. I'm not saying that you mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, yeah. But like bring awareness to the fact that you do. I think I just had never, never really labeled it. Mm-hmm. I'd never really like qualified it, you know. I know that I've always been the person people confide in when they have something serious going on. And I always felt like that was a really big compliment because that meant I was trustworthy. But now I'm starting to realize it's really about um, really hearing the person and being able to kind of reflect back what they're feeling and how that validates them. And how that makes them feel not alone, like you were saying. I didn't realize until recently that I'm more like that. I always thought, well, I'm just really trustworthy. I mean, my nickname in high school was CIA. I kept <laughs> everybody's secret. Everything went in the vault. Everybody's secret. Everybody came to me with every secret. And that was my nickname all through college was CIA. And I guess I'm still that way, but I just didn't really realize as that young of a person that that meant that I understood how someone felt or um, or honored how they felt. You know, the thing about a lot of this mental health stuff is about honoring where you are and honoring where the other person is and being really, um, being really gracious with where another person is. Like grace is such a powerful thing um, to have and to give. You know, to give someone a gracious ear is um, is healing for the person listening. You know, for me to know that you've come to me with something that's really important and that you trust me with that is something um, I don't take lightly. And I think a, a lot of people maybe know that. When I listen, I'm really listening. And I really want to know because I really think that we are all in it together. And if I, I had a couple people in my life in my childhood who were that for me and those people were so valuable and they're the reason I was able to persevere. See, they're few and far in between, right? They are, but they don't have to be. They don't have to be. That's the thing is it's about the win-win and, and about the stupid golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's all it's about. I think everything in life can be boiled down to that. I mean, all the Ten Commandments still fit in that. Everything fits in that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if you just do that, 
life's beautiful, <laughs> right? Yeah, the, it is beautiful. And I totally agree. I think the problem is people will do terrible fucking things to themselves. <laughs> they don't value who they are. Well, maybe perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem. That's perhaps the problem. So how do we fix that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep podcasting. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Leanne. Oh, I'm so happy. So happy. Yeah. There nice was, to meet you. It was wonderful meeting you. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy. I'm just excited. I am too. Yeah. Life is beautiful. It is beautiful. My goal always from age 20 or younger maybe was just to be happy. Not even to be whole or balanced. Because all that falls under happy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> yes. What else? And I mean, your podcast is going great. Yep. What else are you doing um, <clears throat> with this new uh, challenge in life of stretching and doing everything else because you've got this awareness at this point that you're back on the path, you're back on the road, you're headed in the direction that you want to be doing or want to be going. Well, I was just saying to Stephanie, I started a blog. It's on my website. It, it's not very long. It may take you five minutes to read, but that's been something that's really cool um, because I was a writer before I met Bert, before I had kids. I wrote, that's what I did. So, um, but I wrote in such an all encompassing way that I have a hard time finding that amount of time. Yeah. So Bert's for years been saying, you just need to start writing a blog. And I'm like, a oh, blog? I don't know what that is. Everybody has a blog. Like my neighbor has a blog about his <laughs> roses. I don't know. Who wants to read my blog? And then, you know, I have, I've, if you've listened to my podcast much, you know, I have a Bible that I made for myself of quotes and, and, um, music lyrics and whatever inspired me. And I post one page of the Bible every week in my food for thought page on my website. And then Kirsten, who's a regular guest said, why don't you just write a blog about what you post? So you're already posting the quote. So just write about the quote, why it's significant to you, why it's significant now, where you found it, whatever happens. So I started doing that. I started saying yes, instead of I don't have time. There's no way I could do that. No one would ever read that. Who cares about that? No one even visits my website. It doesn't really matter anyway. I mean, they're going to see that I actually suck as a writer. Like all that shit <laughs> yeah. that goes on in your head. I just went, no, no, no. The answer is yes. Yes, I will start writing a blog about what I'm already putting on the website. So I've done it for like five weeks now. I did it the week after she suggested it. So that's what another thing I'm trying to do since Jair is to not wait Yes. Is to do it now. And if you start now, then you got to keep going because you already started it. So starting it for me was always the hard part. The lack of belief in self would get all nasty. And so I'd never start. So that was something from Jair that I went, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to start. So this podcast started, my podcast started with building a website. I was like, I'm just going to build the website. And once I do that, then I have to take the next step. Then I have to take the next step. Then I have to take the next step. So I didn't think about writing a blog in that way. And the minute she told me that, the next week I wrote the first blog. So that's what I've been trying to do is to not wait because I'll allow my needs are optional to be optional. I'll allow that. Yeah. That's my pattern. You know, I spent my entire life taking care of my parents. And then I got married and take care of my family. So my needs are definitely optional. But after Jair, I was like, they're not optional. I need to make, I need to take action as soon as I see the need or I'll bury it. That's my habit, right? 
I'm so glad. Anyway, sorry. I so got happy. my phone did. No, I was going to say like, um, <clears throat> I like your voice. You have a voice. What you say matters. Aww. I'm definitely, my guess is probably not your demographic that you would have thought. Like some grown-ass middle-aged man living in Utah. No, I would hope for that. <laughs> that would be my dream. You'd be surprised how many men listen to my podcast. Yeah. So many. But it's because you're putting out good stuff. Well, and you're doing you. a wonderful job. So are you. I enjoyed all of them I've listened to. Well, thank you. Uh-huh. To give uh, the website again so people can go and find... It's, it's wifeotp, wife of the party, wifeotp.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. You have to have dark parts too. You know, if you don't have dark... How can you recognize and understand light? Grace is such a powerful thing to have and to give. I was trying to find my voice, my own inner barometer. It's about being, just being where you are and accepting everybody as they present themselves to you, not as you see them, as they present to you.